You guys can be seated this morning. Just keeping this attitude, though, amen? Because I tell you, my sermon is going to be right there with us. Thank you, worship team. You guys are amazing, and I don't just say that because I'm part of it. I love you guys. You guys are awesome. Hey, good morning, church. Man, I am excited to preach to you guys this morning. I tell you what, man, I've known that I'm going to preach this day for a long time. And as we get closer and closer to the day, like, it's just funny because the enemy man, when you start to see his tricks, you just start to notice that like you could see him from a mile away. Amen. I don't need it. Thank you, buddy. Um, but you start to see him from like a mile away, right? And you start to recognize him for, for what it is. And so like leading up to this, dude, if you notice my beautiful wife isn't here and you haven't, uh, for those of you that are regulars, you haven't seen my daughter strapped to my leg. At, at any point this morning, and that is because that nice little stomach bug that seems to be tearing through everything is trying to get them and listen. So I rebuke that in the name of Jesus, and I know that you guys are watching, and I love you guys. I miss you guys. Don't throw up in my bed. Speaking of online, welcome to everybody joining us online. I'm just going to go ahead and be straight with you. I'm a real talker this morning. And so, listen, I also will walk around. And with two kids that's got a stomach bug, I ain't slept. So, so I've got caffeine, the, the, the lifeblood, right? I got the caffeine going this morning. So, listen, I just love our camera guys. I make them look like Popeye every Sunday, you know what I mean, by the way I walk. So if you're joining us online, you might even get to see me dance today, amen? But listen, <laughs> uh-oh, it's always the in-house people you got to worry about. Hey, listen, if you're watching online, do us a favor. It would mean a lot to us if you would like and share the live stream. We're not about fame. We're not about anything like that. We, we don't monetize our stuff or, or anything like that. We just simply ask you to do that because if it touches you, perhaps it'll touch somebody else. Amen. And that that's... Uh, just to be honest, that's kind of how the gospel works, right? God does something in your life so that you can tell other people about it. And all the people in your life start to see the things that God's doing in your life as testimonies. And I'm going to preach. I'm going to preach, guys. I'm ready. I'm ready. Y'all being too quiet, y'all going to have to get woke up. I'm going to sp start spraying caffeine in the hazer. All right. But if you would do that, it just goes a long way to get the, the, the word out. Amen. And uh, so welcome to everybody joining us. Welcome to everybody joining us in-house. You guys look good. You guys sound good. I heard y'all worshiping God. Amen. Amen. So check this out. My kid, Judah, he, he's a gamer, right? Y'all know that. If you see him, he's got a game in front of him. And he loves Roblox. And so what he's started doing is he started finding these games where he asked me to play. And some of the games I don't like because I'm old, right? And they're stupid. 
right? Some of the games, like he, he had one the other day, and he, he asked me to play it, and I got on there, and I was like, son, this is dumb, you know? <laughs> and so what we've started doing is he knows that I like games where you build different layers and as you build different layers you power up different things and then you get more powerful and so forth and so on i love games like that a lot of times in roblox they're called simulators right and so there's like sword fight simulator i, I say that weird y'all just y'all just give I, I talk weird sometimes simulator right and there's like a, a push the rock up the hill simulator. There's arm wrestling simulators. Um, there's a fart simulator. Real, tr true story. So as you, what you do is you always start off as a noob, right? You start out with no power. You start out with, with no money, no gems, no wins. You got nothing. You just dropped in the middle of this game. And so the first thing you got to do is you got to learn how to train. And so normally there's something that you do to make yourself stronger. You start training and then you go complete a quest and then you get money and then you buy a pet and so forth and so on. And it always happens. And so what will happen is Judah will ask me to join a game and he'll get in there and he'll be like, Dad, what's, what's your strength? I'll be like 20. And he's like, dude, mine's like 4.6 million. And I'm like, I'm like, well, that's great. I have kids and a life and, you know, uh, one day you'll understand what that's like. And um, so then after playing for a while, he'll start to notice, Dad, you're gaining on me. Dad, you're gaining on me. Stop playing. What, like, you're spending more time, and I'm like, son, I don't spend any time on this. I'm, I play it just to, to be with you. And he's like, then how do you always end up getting better at these games than I do? And I say, son, because I, I stop, right, and I look at what's needed to progress, See, oftentimes, these games, there's a process that you need to follow, and if you follow that process and you get in that process, then what you'll see is these, these games will reward you, and you'll start just busting through these games, right? And you'll, you'll start just moving up and moving on up, and then meanwhile, the people that might have started ahead... He, he doesn't get all the pets. He doesn't get all the power-ups. He doesn't do anything but just click the button, and so eventually... That's just not enough. And so I, I say all that to say that's what I want for us today. Amen. I want, I, I want us to look at, because we're going to be talking about process. We're going to be talking about all the fun words that you want to hear in church, right? Right? Perseverance. Ooh. Yeah. Right? All the good stuff. But, but here, here's the thing. If you don't go through that stuff, then think of how you'll progress. <laughs> if, you don't, if you don't go around and, and get this and get this and, and get all the things that God has for you, then you won't progress. And I'll show you that um, in just a second as we get to our main text. But so I've been on this kick and like honestly the last couple of times I've preached it seems like I'll come up with this this outline and then at some point God will say no I want you to somehow show the people that I'm fighting for them. 
right? And so what, what has happened is I've started to see that more often than not in all of the great battles and all the great scenarios in the Bible, uh, most of the time you will see that God is actually doing the fighting and he's asking you to have faith. And so if I believe that God does the fighting for me, then I believe that God does the fighting for us. Amen. And, and so I believe that that's true. If you're a believer in this place, that God is fighting for you and he is not asking you to fight. He's asking for your faith. Now, why does God need your faith? I could tell you he's not hindered by your lack of faith, right? He's powerful. He does not need our help. He does not need our faith. It's not like it's not like the, the pet power up where you equip the faith pet and now all of a sudden you got more strength. You got more, uh, more money. You got more everything, right? Because you equip something. That's not what it's like. He desires that stuff. And so when you know that he desires that stuff, then you start to think about your relationship with God different. Because one thing I know, I've been in ministry for a long time. Now, I'm only 22, so I know y'all are asking how that is, right? But I've been in ministry for a long, long time. And one thing that I know is most people that, that you know, and I'll be honest with you, most people, now that's heartbreaking, <laughs> but most people will come into relationship with God and they'll be saved, but from that point on, they have a misunderstanding about what it means to be a Christian. And so a lot of the times they operate from this place of fear. They operate from this place of weakness. And, and I can just tell you that God never meant for that to be the case. He, he meant for you to come in to right relationship and depend on him, and then he'll take care of what you need right? Why is that? Because we don't wage war as the war does, right? Where are my E students at? We, we, we don't wage war as the war does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. But let me tell you, the Bible in that very same scripture goes on to say that there's some powerful weapons, right? It goes on to say that it can demolish every stronghold, every stronghold, if you came in this morning with an addiction, if you came in with something going on in your life, something that's holding you back, every stronghold. Amen. But if you're like me, and it should be opposite way around on paper, right? But if you're like me, sometimes you find it easier to join the fight than to have the faith. Right? You find it easier to take up arms and, and, and because we, we tend to understand that a little bit better. If we could put a face on our enemy, if we could put an object to fight with, then we could start to see that even if you're having problems with it, you can start to see your progress. So our natural tendency is to go to that. And so instead, what we do is we fight rather than have faith, because that tends to be easier until it isn't. Until it isn't, until it doesn't make sense anymore. 
until you find yourself in a place that doesn't make sense. And so I want to ask you this morning, church, is there anybody here that finds themselves in a place that doesn't make sense? Now, that can be a good place. It can be a bad place. Or it could be a place that's good, but you're experiencing it as a bad place. Right? All of this to say, good news for you today God knows this stuff. He cares for it. And in our time today, my, my hope and my prayer is that I will show you how much God wants you to take up faith and, and go through the process and learn what the process is trying to teach you. Because make no mistake, every time you find yourself in a process with God, he is preparing you for something. Right? And so I want to challenge you guys. We've got some like Sunday school staple verses this morning. Amen. And so I want to challenge you to go into it with fresh eyes. Because God showed me some stuff inside of these, these scriptures that it, did y'all hear that whistle? Cool. Hope, did you get a, did you get a good one of me making that awkward face? Okay. Um, <laughs> God showed me some stuff that I, I had not seen before, not because I haven't read it, but you know, when you read the Bible, man, you could read the Bible a thousand times. God's going to show you something different every time because it's a living word. Amen. It looks like a book, but it's a living word. And, and, and so I started to see how there's a lot of parallel in the things that we go through today in this scripture. I also believe that it kind of shows us the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, his presence in our life. So to set this up and kind of give you some backstory, we're going to start in Exodus 13. We're going to start in verse 17, if y'all want to go there. It will also be up on the screens. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory. Even though that was the shortest route to the promised land, God said if the people are faced with battle, they might change their mind and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And I love this next part, right? Because even though they had just been out of slavery, right? And we'll actually go on to read in this story that they're not even really free yet because Pharaoh's going to chase them again. And he's going to try to put them back into slavery again. Even though they had just been slaves, some would argue that they're not even really free yet. But listen to what the word says. It says, the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. Now, okay, so they left like an army ready for battle, right? Well, I, I'm going to go back. Hold on. In verse 17, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not leave them along the main road that runs through the Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route. God said, if the people are faced with a battle, if the people are faced with trials, they might change their mind and actually want to return to slavery. Right? And so that, 
okay, so uh, go out like an army ready for battle. But right here, God is saying that if they are faced with a battle, that they may change their minds. So what that tells me is God has no intention of letting them fight this battle. God has every intention of taking them, letting them experience him as their savior, go into deeper dependency with him as their provider. But as they left, they looked like an army. And so everybody that saw them knew that they looked like an army. <laughs> and even Pharaoh later, he's like, let's go ahead and take these gods now. Miss CJ, if you will, go ahead and pull up that slide for me. They left like an army. But God knew that they weren't ready. You see... God knew that what really was needed is that they needed to go into the wilderness. And so why did they go into the wilderness? Because I don't know about y'all, but, I, you know, the straight shot is always going to be the best for me. I'm a dude. When it comes to trips, man, if I could, if I could figure out a way to put a porta potty up under my car and just let my kids sit back there and just, y'all do y'all's thing when y'all get ready. We're going to make it to Disney in four hours. Right? I would do that. And I think most of us would. So it doesn't make sense to go the roundabout way, and it doesn't make sense to go into the wilderness. Right? But God knew that what they would face in the wilderness would prepare them for what they were going to face later on in life. So he's taking them into a process. And listen, I want to just go ahead and tell you, they're still going to face trials, right? He's bringing them to deeper dependence, but they're still going to face trials. And, and I believe that this is what God does to us, the same process of revealing himself to us. Chances are you find yourself in some form of process today. The process of God revealing himself, drawing you closer, letting you get to know him, because he knows you, right? Letting you learn deeper dependency on him. But we know that the trials were come, and they came while they were in the wilderness, right? They face the next challenge that they face is the Red Sea in front of them, Right? Spirit lead me. Yeah. More water. Then they turn around and then there's slavery right behind them. There's the bondage right behind them. There's their past right behind them. But God parted the sea so that they could go forward. And then he used that same miracle to defeat their enemies. And that's when their slavery was truly broken right there. They were fully set free. And church, I could tell you that, that if you've been set free from sin, man, you serve a Savior that has fully defeated sin and the grave. And that should be good move. Give him praise. Yes, y'all give him praise. And then they faced going out in the wilderness and getting lost, right? So God sent them a cloud 
to show them the way during the day, and he sent them a pillar of fire by night. And, and, and it goes on to say that those things never left them, and they guided them the entire time. Now, that's amazing because that's just the presence of God showing them exactly where to go. Now, they faced hunger in the wilderness. God provided supernaturally quail and manna. And so at the end of that time in the wilderness, they've, they've faced trials and they've seen God be faithful. They've seen God do these amazing miracles and God setting them up to go into the promised land, right? And, and so at the end of this journey through the wilderness, they're right there. They're right there with the wilderness behind them, slavery far in the past, and the promised land right in front of them. So we see the promise, but we also will see the trial again. Miss CJ, if you'll go ahead and put my second one up there. Now, I'm going to be jumping around for this next part because there is a lot of details. <laughs> there's a lot of people. There's a lot of towns and stuff like that that I promise you don't want to hear me try to pronounce this morning. Amen? Because of uh, my tendency to speak Southern, my Jewish dialect isn't so great. But if you want to reference this and go back and, and just kind of look at this story for yourself, you'll find it in Numbers chapters 13 through 15, right? So we start the story out with Moses sending out 12 scouts to explore Canaan, which is the promised land. He tells them, go out, scout the land, report back what they saw, bring anything back. Now here's where we tend to follow that story, right? Those who know the story knows that the 12 came back and 10 of them gave this report. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed bountiful. Uh, let me just start that over. Can y'all edit that back there? Y'all can edit that. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land that you sent us to explore, and it is, good Lord, indeed a bountiful country. Maybe I should have ch uh, used another translation. A land flowing with milk and honey, and here is the kind of fruit that it produces. They brought back something from the promised land to show what kind of fruit it produces. So there's the proof of the promise. But now in verse 28, now listen to all of that. Now listen to the report. And chances are this is where your mind picks up this story. But the people living there are powerful. Their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb, I love Caleb, right? He tried to quiet the people. Hey, no, 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 I see where this is going. Right? He's a preacher somewhere. Ah, no, no, no. I see where this is going. No, no, no. Listen, let's go at once and take their land. He said, we can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored it, the other, the other scouts that had gone down, they disagreed with them. And they said, we can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. 
And then they started to spread that bad report. Church, what bad report is the enemy trying to change or trying to spread in your life, trying to keep you from from seeing the fact that we can go conquer it? Instead, there there's something that's being spread in your life, and the 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 impact of it is now you're saying there's no way that we can defeat them. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone. The land will devour anyone who goes to live there. Now they're starting to say this isn't even the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. If we go to this land flowing with milk and honey, it's going to eat us, right? All the people we saw there were huge. We saw giants there, the descendants of Anak, and next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. Now, when I read over this, God kept bringing me to this one word, unfocused, right? Unfocused, right there. I wonder what's under there. Man, we can see that one really good, but... That one, not so much, right? Because it's unfocused. And so I went back and I read it again, and I started further up. I wanted to see what exactly happened while the scouts were gone in Israel. Starting at verse 21, it says, So they went up, they explored the land, and when they came to the valley, they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes so large that it took two of them to carry it on a pole between them. They brought back samples of the pomegranates and figs. Man, this place sounds amazing unless you don't like figs, I guess, right? Or giants. This place Sounds amazing. So they go in, and their, their experience is they find immediately this proof of the promise, right? It sounds good so far. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned, right? They went to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel, and they reported to the whole community what they had seen, and then they showed them the fruit that they had taken from the land, And this was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore. It is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. And here is the kind of fruit that it produces. So now you have proof of that promise. You have proof that the trials are there. But if you look back at the account, it doesn't sound like they really had to deal with the trials. It sounds like they just got to enjoy the promise for a little bit so that they can go back and say, hey, guys, you know what? The process that we were in in the wilderness totally prepared us for this. It, it, it totally, you know, what I can see is that, God, every step that we had to go through in the wilderness prepared us to walk in to the promised land. But here is where they lose it. And this is where I believe a lot of us lose it. They see the trials, and they know that the trials are going to be big, right? And so what they start to think is they're, they're like, man, we are not powerful to take a hold of the promise. Now, if we go back into Exodus, then we will see that at no point did God tell them to be strong enough. He told them to follow him. 
He told them to collect the manna, as little or as much as you need. He, he, he told them to walk across on dry land and out of slavery, and as they did that, that he would totally demolish the slavery behind them. He did all of that, but they didn't feel like they were still enough. And I think we get stuck trying to be enough. And we spin our wheels. And why is it so hard to get out of that? Well, because you're dealing with yourself. And oftentimes, you've got someone spreading a bad report while you're trying to have faith, you're trying to do this, you have all these things going on. And, and so a lot of the times we get stuck and I can just tell you that we're not gonna be strong enough. There are some battles that you can take on by yourself, amen? But there are some battles and there are a lot of battles that we cannot take on by ourselves. And, and God has never called us to do that. He's called us to have the faith and let him work the battle. And so I wonder how many, how many bad doctor's diagnosis we could, we could just take and, and know that, yes, this is a trial, but I don't have to fight this. I just got to believe. And it's hard, and I know that. God knows that. And that's why he has just story after story after story after story of just this exact same thing, right? Now, we know that the story goes on and the people that are pretty much all the generation that is alive right then, except for a couple of people, are not going to be allowed to enter the pro uh, promised land, right? The trials got to them, and it kept them from fully enjoying what God had for them. That echoes a lot of our lives, right? The trials got to them, and instead of <laughs> being able to have the faith to, to know that God would fight for them, they actually started to want to go back to the days of slavery. Go back to the days of slavery. So what does this mean for us today? Miss CJ, you can go ahead and change to the next one, please. The trials that the Israelites faced in the wilderness was designed to prepare them for the trials that they would face in Canaan. So they went from one process... <laughs> Of, of different trials to, to build them up to go into another place that was going to have trials that was ultimately going to build them up and then they would get to the promised land and they would get to be able to enjoy all that God had for them. Go ahead and change to the next slide, Miss CJ. We can look back at this story. We don't have to react like they reacted, amen? We don't have to have to miss out on the things that God has for us because God's already given us a road map. Instead, we know that when they were surrounded, right, when they were surrounded by the water in front of them, by slavery behind them, Moses said one little word right there before God told him, hey, 
just get up and do what I told you to do. He said, the Lord will fight for us. There it is again. R just different parts of the Bible. The Lord will fight for us. If we're surrounded, he will fight for us. Now, it may look like a, a, a sea that needs to be parted, right? It may look like that. It may be like being lost in the wilderness. Miss CJ, go ahead and switch it, please. It, it may be like being lost somewhere, being, being this, this feeling of, man, where am I? And listen to me, just like the pillar in the cloud, the Bible promises his presence. It, 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 there, there's even the gift of the Holy Spirit that will lead us and show us the way. And here's the deal, he never leaves. That's amazing that in this story, God gave them something that represented his presence that never left them. Right? If there is lack, come on. Come on. I'm going to be super super transparent with you guys right now. Money stinks. Money stinks. My kids are eating more. Groceries are going up. Utilities are going up. Everything's going up, except for the pay. <laughs> now, you can get stuck in that, and you can start to get scared, and you can start to believe that man, at some point, I'm going to go hungry because that's logical, right? And it's even tempting because sometimes God will like give you a job to get out of that. But what happens if God's planning on doing something else? What happens if you're doing all you can? You're being a good steward. You're giving. You're, you're doing what God has called you to do. What does that look like? Well, there will be quail and manna. Y'all know how I feel about barbecue and bread. <laughs> Listen, I actually thought about just having some Texas Roadhouse rolls right here and just different types of barbecue right here. But then I was like, well, what will happen is I will eat it while I am preaching. And it would be awkward because y'all would just sit there and stare at me because I don't share. I'm just kidding. <laughs> now, God didn't just give them enough when he gave them the quail and the manna. Instead, what he did is he gave them so much that they were told to go and collect as much or as little as they needed. And this happened every time they needed it. That is faithful. When you can look back at God and just see time after time after time after time after time, he has been faithful. The problem is, is it's easy to look back and see time after time after time after time that he's been faithful, but it's, it's a lot scarier to be walking and just know that he's going to be faithful. So what happens is God allows us to look back on this and say, look, I've been faithful and I've been faithful and I've been faithful and I've been faithful. 
And instead of focusing on the trials that we have to overcome, we start to see these trials as something that God overcomes. And dare I say that we may actually look forward to these trials. Is that crazy to say? That we may actually look forward to these trials because we know that if a trial comes, then hey, look, there's going to be something good on the other side. Well, Pastor Jeremy, what about all the trials that's not anything to do with God? It doesn't matter. God says that he'll take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it to good. And so that means, yes, give him praise. That means that all the things that you've gone through, that the enemy has put in front of you, all the trials that are there set up that are legitimate things trying to come against you, he'll move it for your good. He'll turn it for your good. And so if we believe that, then we start to look at these trials as something different. Go ahead and change to the next slide, Miss CJ. Now, some of y'all can see what's starting to come through. And I'm going to kind of close with this idea. Trials. So when we first started, the, the trials was greatly in focus. And so what you had is the other word <laughs> was not in focus. Miss CJ, go ahead. Skip. Is that the last one? Ah, uh, there we go. But as we start to fix our focus by being able to look back and go, no, you know what? everything in the wilderness prepared me for this moment, then we'll start to see that those trials do what? They lead to perseverance. Now, I know that if you're like me and you just sat through a 40-minute sermon, you do not want to hear perseverance is the promise at the end. Amen? <laughs> perseverance is not a good-looking word all the time. As a matter of fact, if you really look at it, um, the word perseverance, if you do kind of like word study or you, you look at different translation, that's interchangeable with endurance, right? With endurance, which means to me, I don't like to run. If I need endurance, that tells me I'm going to be running. <laughs> I don't like that word. And, and even furthermore, if you break it down, it, it kind of looks like the trials are going to develop perseverance for more trials, right? And so how do you count it pure joy that we face trials that's going to develop in us perseverance if it just means that we're going to start another trial, if we're going to start another process? Now, I wonder if this looks a lot like the wilderness, Canaan. And here's where we are, right? The trials in our past, the trials that's we, that we've gone through, we can use today to fuel the rest of the process. And then that 
continues on, right? And James, it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, of many kinds, because you know that in the testing of your faith, it produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work. One translation that I read said, let it finish its perfect work. And here's why, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Not lacking anything. I wonder if we can look at the, the trajectory of our lives, right? You can look at where you're at today, how you've responded to things in your past, how you've dealt with things, how, how you've handled things. Have you been doing the fighting or are you killing this, <laughs> right? But I want to ask you, are you heading to a place that you see God is letting the trials give you endurance so that that endurance can finish its work so that you can be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Do you believe that you can be that today? Because if you don't, you need to start there. Because I could tell you, man, I saw this powerful little video last night, and it was, it was Brandon Lake, and he was talking about, what does God think of me? Now, we know scriptures, and we know we can quote the scriptures, but that doesn't always tell you everything. What does God think about you? You, not us. What does God think about you? And I wonder if we take this today and we make it really personal, and we look at the things that, you know, God said, we're not going to take you on a straight shot. We're going to take you on a roundabout way. I wonder what that looks like on the other side of it. I wonder what our lives would look like on the other side of it if we believe that we can be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, for our next couple of minutes here, I want you to kind of think over, where are you in this journey? Because make no mistake, unless you're dead or you're Jesus, you're in a process today. And if you're dead, good on you. You look great. But if you're neither one of those things and you're in a process and you might just be starting out this process and God may be saying, hey, I know this looks like the faster way, but, but just take my advice. I'm going to take you the roundabout way and you're going to go through some stuff. But if you'll just let me fight for you, if you'll just let me do the things for you, if you'll, if you'll turn to me when things seem the most desperate, if you'll depend on me when things seem the most scary, then what you'll notice is those things aren't scary at all. And so then when you get to bigger things and, and you know, I can't help but to think about, you know, being lost in a wilderness is, is pretty scary, but it's nothing when you're thinking about giants. And so what does that look like for us 
my kids have a stomach bug. I believe God can heal them right now. If not, they're going to poop for 12 hours. They're going to be great. You know? But these little things get us ready for when the other stuff comes. The, the diagnosis, the job, the big things that God knows that if you face it, you're going to turn back around and desire slavery. I wonder what that is. I wonder what God's trying to teach you today in that process. Miss Kelly, if you will, can you come play softly? I've always wanted to say that. <laughs> I've held off. Listen, I've held off for months. I wonder this morning if God's got you at a place and he's trying to, trying to show you, hey, listen, you are wearing yourself out fighting this battle when I've never called you to fight the battle. I've called you to depend on me, to focus on me, to have faith on me. I don't know about you, but when I go at things like that, Things don't sound as scary. Things don't seem as, as crazy in the world. And even the trials that I go through, even, even in the middle of it, it might be scary at that time. I'm sure that, that being faced with going hungry w was scary. But God showed them that he's faithful. So instead, I wonder when we start to have lack rather than getting scared. And, you know, I know with most people just financially your first thing is to draw up and it happens like that not just finances but in everything when you start getting attacked your first instinct is to to draw up but if we're being delivered God's doing that so that we can help deliver see that's the difference in the church today. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, then that's the difference in you. Now God's people, the Israelites, he wanted to be with his people. He wanted to be their God. He wanted to be their king. And he wants that same thing for us today, but he's also sending us out to bring others. So, a lot of the times, the stuff that goes on in your life sets up your testimony. It sets up the, the very weapon that you can use to break down every stronghold. Because here's, here's the deal. Listen, if God's broken your strongholds, then there's nothing to break. So, we're waging war... <laughs> Not as the world does and, and without the weapons of the world and not the way the world does. So that we can show people that that same weapon, that faith, that dependency on God 
can break down their strongholds too. Because people are bound, church. I read a statistic the other day, and like, this breaks my heart, especially as, you know, a dude who has kids, because honestly, it's everywhere. But it, I, I saw a thing that said 50% of the Generation Z will not only be totally turn their back on God, but they'll turn their back on the normal ways of doing life. And we see that everywhere, church. We see it everywhere. The church needs to be the church more now than it ever has been. There are people that need us. There are people that need you. Amen. And I will tell you that you're never going to get to go in the promised land if you're scared to let God fight the battle for you. So if you would, bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to ask you, I don't want to try to do a, you know, a fancy group of words that just cuts to your spirit. Right now, I believe that if this is you, you know it. Right? You know it. And so what I'm going to ask this morning, church, is if you've been fighting those battles, if you've been... If you've been kind of, you, you want God to call you out of the boat, but you're almost like, I want to be able to walk in the, on the water. And you're starting to realize you're not enough, that you can't do it. That's who I'm talking to today. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand this morning. Hands I see those hands, hands going up all over this place. Praise Jesus. See those hands. You can put them down. Mm. Man, thank you, Jesus. You are powerful. The other question I want to ask in this place is something that I just always love to ask, especially when I'm preaching to a group of people. It doesn't matter who it is. I always like to give a chance for salvation. And so listen, if you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to, like, do some big thing. We're not about that. But what I want you to do is, if that's you, will you just, all, all eyes closed, heads bowed, will you just raise your hand and say, I've never given my life to Jesus, and I would like to today, if that's you in this place. Okay, I see that hand. couple more moments. Amen. 
Amen. Will everybody just stand up this morning in this place? One of my favorite things about this message is I preached it to myself. I preached it to myself. I started out with two scriptures. And I started seeing what God was showing me, and I started writing it down. He was just showing me, hey, what if this, what if this, what if, what if you stop fighting, and what if you have the faith What if you believe that there will be no lack when there's lack? What would that look like for you? And so I went through all of these. And I went through the mindset that you you have to be in to to, uh, just imagine these trials and the way we tend to react when you're right in the middle of it. It's so hard to see, but God's given us a path. He's given us a roadmap so that we're in the, when we're in the unknown, many times we can look back and find that he's already given us the way to get through stuff. And I thought it was so powerful. Now, there was several of you that raised your hand. Like I said, I'm not going to call you up front. We, we spent some time worshiping on that front end and, and kind of getting deep. But here's what I want to encourage you to do today. I'm going to pray over you in just a couple of minutes. And as you pray, just start to, to tell God what that trial is that you're fighting with. Right? What, what is that thing that you're trying to fight the battle and you know that you're not enough and so what you're seeing is it's keeping you from fully walking into the promise of God. I want you to tell him what that is. I want you to put a face on that. I want you to put a, a name on that. I want you to, it, it stops being just an idea and instead today it, it, it's something that you can actively visualize. And then as we pray, I want you to Just let it go. Matthew, was it you that said that today about just letting go? It's probably, Matthew's so smart. It's probably one of the 10,000 things he says at practice that we're just like, okay, Matthew, you want to preach? It's powerful. All right, we're going to pray real quick. Father God, thank you that you care so much about us in this place, Lord, that that you don't just do the things that we would expect God to do. You do the things that we expect a father who loves us to do, God. I pray that right now we're able to see clearly that that's what you want to do. We're able to see clearly that the trials that we face are just trying to build up perseverance, even the ones that you're not bringing into our lives. You will turn it to our good. Those of us that raised our hand this morning, we thank you. Lord, I pray right now 
that 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 trial that 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 area that thing whatever it is lord that thing that that you reference in exodus that if they saw this that they would want to turn back around and they're tempted and they're fighting it themselves god I pray right now they see you right in the middle of it, telling them, I didn't tell you to fight, told you to have faith. I didn't tell you that you had to walk upon the water. I told you to step out of the boat. Lord, we love you. We honor you and we believe that the work that you're doing right now, God, that it's that it's lasting. That Lord, we're not tempted to to get right back in another trial and do the same thing over and over again and just repeat the same patterns that that you've put behind us. And instead, God, today is the day that we say, you know what? There were a lot of trials, but you showed yourself faithful, and I'm ready to walk in to that promise. We love you. We give you honor and glory today in your holy name. We pray. Give God praise this morning, church.